0: When you're passionate about something and you see an opportunity and need for the organization that, that you believe uh, will benefit in the long term, you gotta go for it and, and be an advocate and, and be all in.
1: Hello, and welcome to the CBC Unplug podcast from GCV. I'm Fernando Moncada. Despite their products being so ubiquitous anywhere you live in the world and such an integral part of much of what we eat, The B2B ag, dairy, and food sectors are among the least digitized out there. But that has opened up a lot of space for startups to make a big impact. Schreiber Foods is one of the largest dairy product producers in the world, supplying stores, restaurants, and other food providers all over the planet. Almost exactly a year ago, the Wisconsin-based food giant launched its corporate venture capital fund, focusing primarily on next-generation supply chain and sustainability. Today, I speak with Blair Tritz. Director of Corporate Ventures and Partnerships at Schreiber Foods, who is responsible for overseeing Schreiber Ventures. We talk about where the technological gaps and opportunities are for startups to capitalize on, the process of coming up with Schreiber Ventures' thesis in the midst of a pandemic, and the interplay between the unit's investment, venture clienting, and partnership activities. He also touches on what it was like launching Schreiber Ventures just as the venture market was shifting to its downturn in late 2022, and why it was so useful to begin with a strategy of investing initially in LP positions and other funds before making direct investments, which the unit is now looking to begin doing. Barely a year old, this is a young CVC unit navigating many of the same question marks, both internal and external, that so many other corporate investment outfits have had to deal with and has been described by Liz Arrington, the director of the GCV Institute, as a, quote, poster child for how to be thoughtful about planning for an impactful strategic program. I think a lot of investors at this early stage will have a lot to take away from what Blair has to say. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to CBC Unplugged, and above all, enjoy the show. So here are the Blair. Blair, how's it going? Good to, good to see you again.
0: Fernando, pleasure. Good to see you. Good to talk with you.
1: Are, are, you uh, are you in Green Bay at the minute?
0: In Green Bay, yes. That's where our global headquarters is, but, but frequently on the road.
1: Yeah, I was, I, I was going to say, it's good that we're, we're kind of doing this virtually. As a Bears fan, I'd, I'd probably be persona non grata in, in Green Bay. But uh, not, not that Aaron Rodgers, you know, Deparch has done much better for us in that rivalry, but, you know, one, one can hope at some point in the future. And and I guess you know for for our conversation today you know that 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 moniker you know uh, cheese heads is, is is quite appropriate cuz obviously you know Schreiber Foods is how's that for a segue Schreiber Foods is one of the obviously the the biggest kind of dairy food producers in, in the world and and you're you're something of a veteran right so so you kind of started with them if i'm not mistaken in in 2006 which well Christ, that makes me feel old that was that was nearly 20 years ago but yeah you you joined i think as as a as a purchasing assistant right and and now you lead up the corporate venturing, unit. that's a, there's a pretty kind of, you know, impressive climb up the ranks there. So tell me about your, your kind of journey and, and how VC came into your life.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, well, thanks for that. You, I don't know what direction to go with that. You hit on football, you hit on cheese heads, you hit on <laughs> like, global dairy manufacturing and, and we ended with how did my career start? But, uh, yeah, yeah. So excited to be part of uh Schreiber. So just quickly $8 billion, uh, Global business that's been around for about eighty years now, if you can imagine that. And uh, like you said, I would have to give a give a tap to the green and gold because that that runs deep in uh, the ecosystem within our business. But yeah, excited to be part of our business, one of the largest ESOP organizations on the global level as well. So that is important as that feeds into and and is uh, a way that we operate our business that. That helps fuel in, in the structure of how we set up ventures within our organization. But yeah, you, you hit on it about 20 years. So you talk about you feeling old. I feel old when you say that, uh, as well. But yeah, started within, uh, supply chain procurement, uh, within our business in 2006 and various different backgrounds on, on the materials, the ingredients that we buy, the packaging, uh, that we buy and use. So. Really early, uh, working with a lot of our technical teams on the R&I side and, and packaging side based off of what we were buying uh, for the needs of our business. But yeah, the, the career evolved into various different parts of the world and, and parts of our business to where we feed today and happy to go into those details. But that was kind of uh, the basis for having a solid operational, technical and then business lens through starting up ventures.
1: Yeah, and, and you guys set up, I think, the unit, you know, po- post-pandemic, just after the kind of, quite a bit after I think we were coming out of lockdowns and stuff. And and the market, you know, the venture market was getting a bit rocky at that point, right? In the latter half of, of 2022, and, and I, I would imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, that much of the prep work for it was done, you know, at the, you know, while well, well, things were still kind of frothy and, and, and kind of looking good, right? Late 2021, early 22, market was high. You know, the the from from when you guys were conceiving the unit to to when you launched, did you guys have to change much because of where the market was?
0: <laughs> yeah, it, so I'll call it, I'll take a little bit of a step back and say, in two thousand nineteen, we started to look at our business as a whole with our current CEO, uh, Ron Dunford, uh, kind of starting in that role back in two thousand nineteen, which started to evolve in how we look at our business. And what things do we need from a strategy, from a structure standpoint to help bring us to the next level of our, in our business. So kind of reinvent ourselves per se, right? Really strong in the, the product categories that we manufacture and in, in support and provide to our customers at a global level. But how can we start thinking about advancing and building on top of the competitive advantages and, and the customer network and, and what we do really, really well executing on a global level. Clearly that took a little bit of a, <laughs> a derailment, uh, coming to 2020. But I would say through all challenging things, you learn what you need more and when opportunities can then advance within your business and shed light into some of the foundational pillars of what, uh, ventures is for Schreiber. But the, uh, in navigating through 2020 and, and such, and we were on this journey of, okay, focus on delivering for our business and and our partners and our facilities to keep them up and running but how do we then think about the next stages of our our evolution as an organization because we have the ability to think a little bit longer term being an esop right is it is one of the many advantages and you heard me reference in my comments a little bit earlier partners so as an esop everybody within our of our organization depends on what part of the world you're in is primarily an ESOP uh, shareholder right so we call everybody a partner but yes we we started to think about then what are our core categories what are emerging categories that we could uh, double down on and put some more resources into but how do we think about getting access to more types of technologies uh, that are out in the industry and, and companies in the early stage ecosystem to work with to help us along that journey, because clearly one company can't do it by themselves. And and, uh, it evolved into starting up and really thinking a twinkle in the eye of what a CVC might look like in 2019, 2020, to more formally and me coming over, really the later part of 2022 to start formalizing that. Now we did a little bit ad hoc prior to that and with some different partnerships and, and testing with different technologies and such. Uh, but more formalized it and, and centralized it as a, as a business tool for us and function starting in 2020. And actually, our board approved it in February 13th of, of 2023. So we're coming up to our first, our first what I call, birthday within Shriver Ventures uh, as a unit itself and, and quite a lot of progress we made so far. So pretty exciting uh, to talk further about that.
1: Yeah, well, ha- happy early birthday. And just before Valentine's Day, too, you couldn't wait an extra day. There you go. Absolutely. So th- was the idea always to formalize it then? Because I know you, you were a director of new ventures and innovation in 21. In At that point, did you already have your eyes on a CVC structure?
0: Yeah, I guess we, as we started to kind of break out and advance our ambitions and innovation as a whole, that became more formalized of how do we think about sustaining innovation? How do we think about transformational innovation? What do we need within certain spaces? and it was really that decision to to break it out more formally and and me move over full time. so put that full time resource into it and structure it, have the right governances in place and determine and go through that process of how we want to use this really as a business tool for us as an organization. Clearly, the investment piece of that is is with it embedded within that, but we also have clienting, and then uh, what we have is a is a third vertical within it is a way to operate is is partnerships. And all of those models are are a little bit unique to itself, but centralizing it was important. As we've seen, we've, we've branded it as well. So being a, a B2B organization and dairy organization, albeit 8 billion in revenue and 80 years old, we do a lot of education of who we are and where we fit within the supply chain, the value chain, and an important ingredient for people and consumers, that being food and the services that we provide at a global level and that adheres to what, what we have an ambition to do. And you'll hear as a, us as an organization saying that we want to do good through food as our mission. So pretty excited in that respect.
1: So let's talk about your thesis a bit. Walk me through it. What are your focus areas, first of all?
0: Yeah. So, so we think about ventures for us doing two things. I already shared what it is. So it's a, it's a tool for us to complement our businesses and, and the units themselves of what they're already doing. Because think about it like this, we have, we've been around for 80 years, a lot of parts of our business are, are doing innovation. And that gets to the question of that many people will have and say, well, what is innovation? How is this different than that? But what we've focused on from a venture side is, how do we primarily stay ahead of the technologies within the spaces that we play? If you think about egg and food, from a technology and digitization standpoint, there are two major industries at a global level that are at the lowest under end of the spectrum from a digitization and technology being used within within advancing their businesses so we do we had a large way and big gap to go with with how we traditionally operate in in egg and food and supply chain to be able to do it much more efficiently and like a like you alluded to 2020 uh, exemplified that to a significant agree, degree with with food production and, and disruption of supply chain overall. So that being the first reason, one, staying ahead from a technology standpoint, just with a lot of what is happening out there and continue to advance much more quickly. And then secondly, uh, we want to use this to complement protecting our business. So the modes that we have and created around being a manufacturer, distributor, service provider, while also using this as an indicator for potentially building new business models and adding those to our entire organization overhaul while doing the third element of this is bringing in a lot more talent external diverse thought leaders that that are in this early stage ecosystem to to complement what we do as an organization really well as a big organization in executing but bringing in and weaving in a little bit of that conflict of of thought and, and speed that a, that a big industry and company traditionally doesn't have. So those, those were the three reasons why. And then when we decided where we want to focus, two really, really big themes that we talked about of probably 20 or 30 or so that we discussed and we landed on next gen supply chain. Think about it as what we do as a company and what we were just living through in, in 2020 and, and COVID and such. And just the significant amount of change and how fast that can happen with, with what consumers are doing. And then the second, again, going back to our mission of doing good through food sustainability and the way that we manufacture and, and the environment that, that we operate in the, the food, the waste that is, is created not only within our facilities, but for consumers. Uh, we feel that we have uh, an obligation to do more around that pillar as well. So really, really big. Verticals, I'll call it, but then we started to dive deeper into that from themes and focus and where in the value chain. And I think that we'll hit on that a little bit later.
1: Yeah. Well, what is it about the kind of egg and, and dairy and food more widely that's made it so hard to digitize? Is, is it uh, uh, an issue of of difficulty doing it, or, or has there not just not been a particular need for it?
0: Yeah, I'm not going to pretend to have all of the answers there. I think that there's need. There's been some disruptors in the space that have been doing it better and faster, but in pockets. But also you're coming from more more traditional industries where tech hasn't been a, a major leader in in driving that competitiveness. And, and we just need to do better and faster because our consumers are asking for more, whether it's how things are manufactured, traceability, the importance of food, always things that are have been the forefront of how we operate from food safety and quality. But now taking that to next level, initiatives to to make that much more efficient for our consumers and customers because the landscape is continuously
1: competitive. So where are the kind of the 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 biggest bites you can take out of the apple right there? I'm, I'm guessing there's a lot of, I suppose, latent opportunity if it hasn't been digitized yet to to kind of not be maybe not a first mover but to really make an impact.
0: Yeah. So I, I would broadly say, within those two verticals, we have subthemes, and then and then there's sub subthemes of those. The way that we think about this is is linked to quite a few initiatives within our organization that are that are broad in the respect. One being digital transformation as a whole. So we brought in a new CTO of our organization about a year and a half ago now, and we have a we have a journey that we started in a roadmap, a digital roadmap that help support the verticals of supply chain, manufacturing, and then our customer interfaces. So how do we do that better and faster for our customers? And when I say customers, think about it like this, Fernando. We touch literally every retailer, food service, restaurant, industrial manufacturer at a global level. So when I say we sit within midstream, within the value chain, yes, we work with a ton of different suppliers upstream. And clearly our, our dairy farms and, and such that we source from, but also the back half of this is, is our avenue to distribute that faster. So think about how consumers are eating and how they change the way that they're eating from food delivery to how quickly retail and food service models shifted during the pandemic and, and people are inherently expecting different things in different ways at a much faster, much faster speed. So, yes, we're doing it clearly for our business, but we're doing it inherently in the service of our customers, which supports our model as being a B2B organization.
1: So, well, what what's your kind of ideal stage that that you invest on?
0: Yeah, so I'll hit on a couple of things. So, when we got the charter approved about a year ago, where we were focusing on those two verticals and then how are we going to implement the model financially? So, we have funds allocated from the balance sheet. And that's linked to certain numbers. I won't go into too many of the details of that. Certain numbers, financial numbers, indicators within our business, which rolls into then where our direct investment stage targets are being seed and and early A. Keep in mind that this is the investment stage and the clienting aspect of this is equal to, if not greater, from level of resource and intensity just because of opportunities to bring in a healthy amount of startups to to help in our business on a day-to-day
1: right so so when when you see a startup that you feel you know you're you're interested in what what kind of determines whether or not you make a direct investment or just go kind of move forward with a with a clienting kind of proposition or or with a partnership What, what do the partnerships look like
0: good good question and some of these are still evolving as we build the model more. But I would say when we think about the technologies that that we're looking at, and I guess I'll maybe dive a little bit deeper on that because inherently people will think, well, hey, Schreiber, you're a food company, you're a dairy company, you're looking at just the next level of foods and brands that are out there and such. And quite differently than what people think, we're looking at a lot of other things, primarily leading in, in tech behind that. So how is the food made, for example? How is the food distributed? What are ways that we can digitize, uh, really do three things, digitize, optimize, and minimize within our entire business? And it's likely going to be a tech-driven focus. So with that, we have also a group called Schreiber Digital Labs, which started up about a year to a year and a half ago within our global IT team, work really close to that group. That is kind of the filter per se of, of some of the new tech, but also they have responsibility of commercializing tech that we've built recently through, through multiple different platforms, both in, in India, specifically in the United States right now around inventory management and, and warehouse orchestration and such, and with products called the Hive. So we work closely with the digital labs team because that links to our platform of what we're calling our journey from from that global IT initiative as well.
1: Hi, everyone. Sorry to butt into the middle of the episode. I, I just wanted to chime in quickly to remind you that GCV's annual Global Corporate Venturing and Innovation Summit is fast approaching. Taking place between the 12th and the 14th of March at the Hyatt Regency Resort in sunny Monterey, California, the GCVI Summit is the largest gathering of CVC leaders anywhere in the world. And I'm very happy to say that listeners of this show can enjoy discounts of 10% off your ticket price with the code CVCU10. That's CVCU10 to get 10% off your ticket price when you register to attend the summit. It'll be as it is every year, you know, a, a real who's who of the corporate venture capital world, right? With, with, with an incredible lineup of speakers. Endless networking and, and professional development opportunities with the sharpest and most experienced minds in the business. And, of course, the California sun. So use the code CVC10 for 10% off your tickets to the world's premier corporate VC gathering. Now, back to the show. Tell me a bit more about that relationship with, with, with Schreiber, uh, Schreiber Digital Labs. Do they kind of help in in, in, in vetting or, or, or sourcing you know potential uh, investment targets?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So through those conversations, we'll likely have them together, whether, whether it's with an early stage company. And through those conversations, we'll decide what path we want to pursue. Some of those paths could, could say, okay, well, the early, the company is a little bit further along from an investment and fundraise and stage. So we'll maybe monitor this. So stay close to it because we could be then looking at investing in technologies that are part of it. But then we really have that group decide if they pursue any POC. So POCs are, are pretty heavy focus for that group. And that's really the, the determination of global IT to be able to use anything back of house. Now, as you start to expand into different POCs uh, and clearly different tech propositions for us as an organization, there's greater resistance with more business groups and customer groups and supplier groups as you go. I call these levels of, of one, two, and three of the path of least resistance. So how can we work with global IT and can there be a back of house solution that we optimize and we become more efficient that is really within the control and domain of IT? Or do we need support and ask for support and inclusion with our business units, obviously, which requires a different structure of of projects and support, just because all of the, the time and prioritizations of our business in itself. And then there's really the third level of this that we think about of saying okay this could be this could be really interesting and transformational but it requires our customers to be bought into this as well or our suppliers to be bought in and our business units and global it so think about these like level of change management and value proposition that we kind of filter through within that but we then determine what paths we want to pursue from an investment or partnership later on. Ideally, we would like to be a investor and a customer, right? To help, to help the, the startups grow. That, that would be an ideal model that always doesn't work out, but that gives us the, the great amount of access that we can adopt them and the technology within our business overall. So contingent upon the business need, the IT team need and then the venture need with how we approach that and we could do all three of those from from a partnership investment and client or we could do one of them or we could do none of them so a little bit a little bit complex but that's where it involves involves a lot of collaboration with the teams to really determine what we prioritize and what we put our resources into
1: And, and do you need sponsorship from BU's to to move forward with an investment typically we would like it we haven't
0: gotten to the point where there's been that much of a conflict of interest to say why we shouldn't do anything. But keep in mind where we're focused from a horizon level is still pretty close to home. So from a horizon one to horizon two, our job isn't, isn't to go out and find the next horizon three level transformational opportunities seven, eight, 10 years out, because there's such a huge opportunity just to simply expand upon adjacencies and opportunities within the shorter term horizons. So I'll reframe your question and say, do we have to, or do we want to? And uh, I would say, yes, we want to, because they are the teams and they are the business units that eventually will be using this. So we want them to be part of it earlier on. And that's been a, that's been a positive part of our model in working with our, our parent corporation.
1: And and coming up to your first kind of anniversary slash birthday, how many investments have you made to date?
0: And so I would say from a from a venture lens early on, and and we started with a lot of education internal. As you can imagine, I'll go back to the I'll go back to the ESOP model, building and getting support and sharing what focuses are, the level of horizons, and then how we're doing this has been a big part of this earlier on simply because of how big we are as an organization. And we want this to help raise the organization, not just the venture unit, say, and tell our organization and business units what what they think they should be doing. Our business units have been doing innovation and have been working with startups for a long period of time. So how do we complement the work that we're doing with those business units and not just simply going out and doing something that isn't closely linked to our business? So a lot of the past, I would call it six, nine months has been focused around what is the model? How does it work for us? How do we educate the business? How do we lift all boats within our organization through raising the water in itself? So a lot of internal dialogue and business and and information around that. We did decide to pretty early on that we would like to gain access to much more deal flow, much more insight, and in partnering with and taking LP positions within funds. Think about being our indirect strategy. We said that we want an indirect investment strategy. We wanted to do that first before we started investing into funds or into companies that also allowed us the time to do a heavy amount of research into both of those verticals. So we made really good progress and, and we have a handful of funds that we've now become LPs in all related to our verticals. So I think next-gen supply chain and sustainability and ventured out a little bit further and stretched with some of those being climate tech focused as well, but also a diverse group of funds from further up in the value chain all the way to back half of the value chain to expand the horizon, because that allowed us to determine where we wanna focus then on our direct investments. All of those really Call it a big portion of that wrapped up towards the end of the calendar year in 23, which now allows us to do, build our pipeline. One, to help us focus on what some of these verticals are and sub themes and some sub themes that bring value back to the business. Uh, so we're planning to, and we have a, a quite a bit of, of companies in the pipeline right now to start that process within the next month and uh, bring opportunities back to make investment that we've been engaging with and, and thinking through, but really the structure and the process for our organization. So long answer to we have not made any direct investments, saying meaning cash out over the course of the past six to nine months, but that was very intentional with with our long term strategy and and we're building this for the long term and we have we've got the patience of our organization and team behind us on that.
1: Was it like an inflection point that made you guys think, all right, well, now we're ready to go direct after after taking the, the the kind of LP positions?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It started back when we formed this and using this and thinking about ventures as a tool for our organization. We knew it was gonna take a little bit of time before we just started making direct investments. And quite honestly, in, in, in hindsight, that was more valuable with where the market was at anyways for us to be positioned really really well because of the opportunities that we now have in front of us are are uh I'll, I'll say plenty in bountiful and and we feel the market now is in a much better position than clearly it was two years ago and a year ago, and we're getting a a grip on a lot of different opportunities but think about it like this fernando we 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 from a digitization from a technology and a asset class being super high risk, like venture, we wanted to make sure that our organization was fully supported, understand that. And quite honestly, there was a lot of education that we had around our business of, okay, what are we doing here? How are we doing this? And how are we, we making the right bets and, and building this uh, the right way for us? One to manage risk, but give us the greatest opportunity and, and some of those things just take time yeah so that was part of it.
1: Yeah, and, and certainly you know the, the education piece is is, is, is you know, one of the biggest hurdles of course that when you're setting up a, a, a unit within a corporate that you, that you really had to kind of overcome to get things going what, what, what were the kind of in, in, in your you know in your experience what were the kind of the bigger concerns uh, within within Schreiber to, to get this kind of thing going? Every corporate has their own kind of, you know, niggles and question marks when when, when something like this is getting set up.
0: Yeah. So uh, what are the biggest questions? I would say this. We're, we're coming off of coming out of 2020. How does this link to our strategy? We were just disrupted a lot. We're reshaping global IT, so massive initiative within our organization. We're reshaping our industrial way of working. So how do we integrate more of that? And then, why would we? Quite honestly, why would we spend money on venture, high-risk asset class when you can compare it to a healthy amount of projects in our business that that get a higher return with with a lesser amount of risk? Right. So it's really complementing not only the financial but the strategic value. So every CVC will debate: Why well, are you are you strategic or financial? The answer is pretty clear in our mind. You you have to get a, a financial return. That's that's table stakes. That's what everybody should say and will say, but we want to be able to make sure and we believe that strategically, we're going to bring back more value than than what we will in with the fund. And we are a year old right now. And this will continue to evolve into into bigger things. And yes, will we invest in companies? Absolutely. Will we part with partners with them? Absolutely. Do we view this as a potential acquisition vehicle for smaller pieces of our business? Absolutely. Those things will take time, and and it will continue to evolve. But if we had not educated our organization at an executive level, at a senior senior leadership level, it would have been a much more much more challenging from a stakeholder ship within our organization to get that support. So, when they say it takes takes time and pressure to make diamonds right, and we knew that we need to get get the put the gas down on this after after a period of time and put that focus on.
1: Yeah, and, and you're still in this kind of formational, let's call it adolescent stage. You know, what, what at this point would you say? You know, what are the things that you feel that as a unit you, you have down well already? And, and what are you still kind of trying to figure out?
0: Yeah, I would say just like in life, there's way more things that you're trying to figure out than, than you have down well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, it, but I would say structure. So, so, what we did at the very beginning is, and this is for your world plug for GCV and GCVI. We had a healthy amount of people within our organization go through a lot of the institutional classes. So forming, partnering, program metrics, cadence, structure, stakeholders, that sort of thing that that wasn't just the responsibility of our CVC, but we had others be part of the build. So we want this to be a sustaining tool. And the only way to do that was for many to be part of it, many to be educated. And us all build this together and over a period of time and the classes, whether it's partnering with parent partnering or investment basics or, or others that are offered by the institute, those were all helpful. And, and quite honestly, we used a lot of those templates and discussions with, with other CVCs and, and other VCs and other groups that are out in the, the industry to help build this. But I think we're now down to a governance in a structure and a process that works really well for our organization, not only on the investment committee lens, but what are some of our program metrics that are result-based and what are the ones that are activity-based? Again, just because there's so much you need to do to build this from a brand, from a process, from a team, from a from a learning, from an insight, sort of working within the business that It just took some patience to do that, patience and education to do that, and uh, excited about where we're going next.
1: Yeah, no, shout out to uh, Liz Arrington and her team at the GCV Institute for for the work that they do, you know? Absolutely. What would you say would be something that would surprise most people outside of the industry about, you know, the food industry right now and and the kind of, you know, we we talked about how technologically speaking, it might be lacking relative to other industries. What would surprise most folks?
0: Uh, about the B2B food industry. What would be surprising? There's a lot more that's going on behind the scenes than people know that is talked about. It's usually not flashy. Of course, you're going to have, you're going to have segments of, of food and egg and supply chain and sustainability that will have some PR around it. I'll call it like alternative proteins over right. uh, yeah, the course yeah. of the past couple of years. A lot of hype around those. Those are becoming a little bit more grounded and, and now moving Progressing through that hype cycle. But what I would say is the people within the industry know that it's here and, and are working on it and are more heads down type of approach and, and continuing to make progress. So that's the exciting piece about it. And, and there's not a ton of flash around it, but it's really meaningful work that when you think about what you do in the food industry does to serve people and food and food is health and food is medicine, and there's a lot that goes into that. It's just the ingredients of what can help solve pains and problems for many consumers around the world, and we're excited about being able to do that much better. Like I said, through through digitizing, optimizing, and, and minimizing the, the footprints and the impacts that we have.
1: And what advice would you give to someone who was in your shoes a year or, or two years ago, just getting to the grips of setting something up? You know, going through having to navigate all the all the corporate questions and everything. What, what would you say to them?
0: <laughs> uh, go, for uh, you got, you go for it. You got to go for it. You got to be vulnerable. I listened to recently the, the book called The Big Leap. Uh, you're probably familiar and uh, with it. If not, I'd recommend it. But when you're passionate about something and you see an opportunity in need for the organization that, that you believe uh, will benefit in the long term, you got to go for it and, and be an advocate and, and be all in. And, and that's been the exciting part about this. I've been passionate about this, this ecosystem for a while and not just two years and, and not just three years, but going back to from when I was a kid of just being curious of, of how to do things better at, at a global level and, and food and culture and history and, and how to make that better. But go for it. I, I laugh because I, <laughs> I, uh, I also saw a video a couple of days ago that showed this. That showed this young boy on a roller coaster and clearly was freaked out at the very beginning of it to the point where he was questioning himself. Like you could see the look on his face, questioning himself when he was sitting in this, in this roller coaster seat. And then the beginning phases of it, they'll call it the, the middle part of it was just totally freaked out. And then by the back half of it was, was in laughter and complete joy and, and, uh, in excitement. And that kind of sums up the journey, I would say, over the course of the last couple of years of you don't know how it's going to end, but you can control yourself and how you work through that and, and be passionate about it and live it. And and if you got the support from your organization and team, which, which I have, which I've been extremely thankful for, go out and explore that. So, so find and learn and work with others that have been doing this for, for 20 years. And thankfully we've got mentors that have been shared with me. Others that have been able to be willing and to share all of the things that didn't work and all of the things that do work. And our industry is, is, uh, in the work that we do is challenging, right? Because everybody's business model and CVC is, is a little bit different and it's unique to your, your organization. So find the right people, get the right support, know that it's going to be a, a heck of a journey and there's a lot that's out there, but. Uh, know that there's a ton of people willing to help you and and take advantage of that because because that's what's fun and exciting and and honestly they'll need your support too <laughs> because because uh, that's usually where it ends is whatever rosy picture they paint when their are their CVC or VC or or business it may not as uh, always be as as uh, rosy as you think it is on the outside and and they'll help
1: yeah and are you at that laughing stage of the roller coaster right now would you say that
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, like a year ago, I was, I was (laughs) at the beginning stage, like, I don't know what I just did. I don't know what I just signed up for, but, but yeah, I mean, there was, there was some, some tough times in there of, of debating and, and learning and, but it was part of the process, right? And, uh, you grew. So I knew that I was going into a different level of, of comfort zone and, and excited about that. That's the nature of who I am as an individual as well, being a, I'm kind of an ultra endurance athlete and, and really pushing yourself. But but yeah, I can I can laugh about it more now and smile about it more now with and thinking about how much progress that we've made. And the thing that excites me the most is is the ability to make an impact on the lives of our people within our business given opportunities that we have and externally and working with a startup and early stage companies because they're some of the most brilliant, tenacious crazy-minded people that you're going to have out there that, that are doing things to truly, truly change the world. So that's exciting when, when you think about being able to wake up every day and that's the life that you live, which is awesome.
1: That is awesome. And would you recommend, generally speaking, taking LP positions to start off with almost to like ease it? I know that maybe yours was was well pa- partially kind of influenced by the conditions at the time. Obviously, it was the middle of a pandemic and then, then, then the market conditions, so a bit unusual. To say the least, but but is that is that a route that you'd recommend?
0: Yeah. So think about what you need. Uh, for us, it was it made sense. Think about what you need now, and think about what you need over a longer period of time, because those are those aren't casual commitments that you're making ten year now plus, which are what many of them are being extended to, because there's implications of that both both financially and strategically, and and you've got to be open minded to. I'll call it what you're foregoing and what you're signing up for and are they beneficial? Absolutely. Are there things that you're going to compromise in doing that? Absolutely. But for us, it was what is and, and so far valuable because of uh, where they sit within stage investments. So we're actually complementary to them. And think about how we can enable many of those companies coming out of whether really large global accelerators, for example. Or just utilize them within supply chain. So f- for us, it, it made a lot of sense to do that. And, and quite honestly, it is a major source of deal flow and brand awareness for us being part of those, uh, LP positions. And then you just continuously build your network through that. So we don't have the luxury of, of being a, a big brand. So we're, we're a private B2B company. So when you hear Schreiber, people don't inherently think, Oh yeah, I know them. That's, that's that's cheese and services and logistics and, and they're commercializing tech. It's okay, well, who are you again? And yeah. uh, it's kind of starting over, but that's what we want to wanna do and help ourselves be recognized, not only in the industry that we're in, which we're, we're very strong in, but how about others and, and at a global level to be a source for people to work with? Because we're, we're open to that. We want to open our doors.
1: Well, to, to that end, we always like to, to close the show out with, a little something for the founders and startups who who, who are listening. And I suppose, firstly, you know, if, if if there's a founder out there that wants to get in touch with you guys, what's the best way to do that? And then, how do they pitch you when they finally get in the room?
0: Yeah, yeah. Always open to listening. We have ways to reach us through our website, SchreiberFoodsVentures.com. com. Clearly, LinkedIn uh, is a good place to to hit us. Not only at the Schreiber webpage, but individually. So so please reach out. Directly glad to entertain all of those and through, through email, of course, and, and at different events. So glad to be part of it and, and excited to talk to all of you and, and find ways of how we can help you because that's what, uh, that's what our goal is and ambition is.
1: What, what do you want to hear from them in the pitch?
0: Yeah. I mean, we think about it as a, as a relationship. So, so not only, Hey, what are you, what are you pitching us? And we can all look at a pitch deck and review it, right? Everybody gets hundreds of these and thousands of these a year, but uh, think about what you want from a relationship. So how do you want us to be a strategic player for you? You can get money anywhere. Anybody can write a check, but how do we, how do we help you? And how do you view us as a partner? Listen. That's how we started relationships and have relationships with the biggest food companies and the biggest food brand companies in the world. And that's how we're going to continue to do it with this early stage ecosystem development and as well. So you're going to have a ton of resources from our organization. You're going to have a ton of access into a lot of different distribution routes and capabilities. And uh, we're excited to hear from you and work from you. And and clearly, pitch decks are a good start, but we think about it being a mutually beneficial relationship that we can help both of us grow.
1: Awesome, and and finally, what would you say? And and being, you know, just just coming up to your first birthday, you might be in a good position to to say, you know, what, what do you feel that corporates can do? Not, not not necessarily Schreiber, but what can they do more of, or or maybe a better job of to to help their kind of budding CVC units and and their startup ecosystem?
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Well,
0: this is kind of a foundational item that is talked about quite a bit, but you need a couple of things: time, some patience, resources, and support to do that. I know in today's world, specifically, I've I've heard of a, a lot of different companies, uh, more publicly traded, but looking at ways to either decommission or move or update their their CVCs and such. And and we are not massive; we're not long tenured, uh, absolutely, but. Again, it goes back to our business model. If you have the ability to let the model evolve, build, test and learn it and continuously go through that mindset, if you do it the right way and create the right relationships, both internal and external, it's a, it's a major value to, to your business for a long term. And it should be able to be sustained after that, but give it time, uh, give it patience and, and don't write it off too early. You know, this, we, we see some of the stats there. Greatest number of CVCs over the course of the past five years and what close to what 50%, I think are less than less than two to three years old. So we're, we're not the only ones that are out there. And I'm glad to talk to others that are helping to build theirs and, and, uh, and engage on, Hey, what's working? What's not? Because it's the survival that in those types of discussions with our leaders of, okay, what value are you providing back to the organization and glad to do that. So those three things, time, perhaps patience and, and the right resources to do it to, to deliver value, both financial and strategic.
1: Great. Well, Well. best of luck. It was great catching up. And, and here's to a, to a fruitful uh, second year. Good, best of luck to you. Absolutely. That's all for this week, folks. Remember to hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. I've been Fernando Moncada. Our sound engineer is Mark Shatterley from inner Production. Go check out his work today at inearproduction.com. We'll be back again next week, as ever. Until then, have a good one.